Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And welcome to the Celtic Down Under Tuesday Crew podcast. I'm your host for tonight, Stephen, and I'm delighted to be joined by Willie and Mac. So, Willie, how are you tonight and how's your week been? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Bit wet here in New Zealand, as you expect in the winter. A lot of rain coming again, so just got to bunker down, stay in, watch TV all day with the kids. Sounds good. And yourself, Mac, how's it going? Feeling good. Yeah, Australia's been fairly, Sydney's been fairly uh, nice and sunny, but also a bit a bit chilly, so, um, but yeah, nice weather, ready to go. Yeah, it's a nice time of the year over here, for sure. Um, yeah, cause it's, okay, so we've got a, a, a packed show tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about the the Brendan Rogers press conference, uh, we're going to touch on the, the possible signing of Marco Tilio from Melbourne City. Uh, as well as a couple of other possible transfers. Uh, we're going to look at the complaints from the EPL of the over the Saudis signing all their good players. Uh, and we're going to take all your questions. So welcome along if you're joining us live in the YouTube channel. Uh, please don't forget to like and subscribe, as this really helps us. Uh, and if you're listening on the audio, please like and subscribe whenever you get your podcasts. If you want to join the convo uh, after the show, then reach out to us on all, all the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Handles at the top of the page and in the episode notes. So first, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the, the Brendan Rogers press conference uh, last Friday when he was revealed as Celtic manager. Um, so it's fair to say it was an eagerly anticipated uh, press conference. A lot of people hanging on Brendan's every word. Uh, a lot of body language experts <laughs> tuning in. Uh, there was a, a media conference with the mainstream media and then another one with the, the, the various fan media groups. Obviously, we weren't invited. 
uh, but we're not going to take that personally. All right. So I'll go to you first, Mac. Um, did you catch the, the the press conference and what were the, the key things you took out of it? Yeah, no, I did catch the, the press conference. Uh, I think probably the, the main things I took, one thing we talked about last week was whether he would, I guess, acknowledge um, the, the, that there was some fans a bit upset about how he left the club last time. Some quite upset, actually. But uh, I, I think... I, I quite like the way that he handled that. I think he did acknowledge that he was, uh, he regretted that it had caused hurt the way that he left, which um, I think that was important that he did, he did acknowledge it. Um, that, because I know that some, some fans, he was obviously a very successful coach and there was definitely some fans that that are uh, may still remain quite upset about the way that he left last time. So I think it's just important that he acknowledged that there are people that feel like that and people, are, you know, are entitled to have those views. Um, he didn't apologise, which was um, something we talked about last week. But I think the, the reality is these days people don't tend to apologise too much in the, in the media. The reason is that once you do an apology, once you apologise, then they use that as a bat to hit you with um, quite a quite a lot. It'll be a, it'll be a headline, you know. Rogers apologises to fans over over the issue, so that may have been the reason that he he didn't want to do that. But I think it was important that he just kind of acknowledged that it, you know there, there were some fans that might be upset and and just encourage them to come and join again and join him again um, moving forward uh, for the club. Yeah, so I think we were all happy that he didn't um, apologise, given the fact that I had threatened to do the, the show tonight in the nude if he had to apologise. So thanks, mm. Brendan. <laughs> I think we can all be thankful for that. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think he struck a good balance there by by showing um, a little bit of remorse, uh, showing that he does understand um, that, that some people were affected badly by it, uh, but also stressing the fact that he's uh, he is a Celtic supporter himself. And that, that, that shines through in almost everything he says. Um, he, he, he repeats it often enough that he's, he is himself a Celtic supporter, so he knew how, how people were feeling. Um, so what about yourself, Willie? Uh, were you happy with what you had heard from Brendan? Yeah, definitely happy with what I heard. I mean, he, he came out and he stated that he wants to do something in Europe. Um, he seems pleased with Michael Nicholson and Mark Wall. The approach isn't going to be too different. He's convinced what we're talking about there, he seems convinced that he can win everybody round come May when we've got trophies in the bag. So, yeah, he, he, he did. I mean, these things are generally sound bites. You've got to go out there and try and say the right things at the right time, but obviously a bit more difficult for him with the circumstances around what happened when he departed the last time. But I, I, I'm quite pleased with the way he's come out with it. He seems content with the squad. It may need, he seems to think it may need one or two players. It doesn't need an overhaul. So it's just a tweak here and there. Maybe add quality rather than quantity. And um, he sees John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan as an important part of the way forward. And he had a hand in convincing them to stay. So The only thing I wasn't impressed with was the camera work. It was shaking around an awful lot when I was watching it. I was getting a wee bit seasick. <laughs> so... <laughs> Other than that, it seemed all right. Right, I mean, he seems to like you say he's ticked all the boxes that he needed to tick for the conference. Right? So, yeah, it was uh, one of the things that jumped out to me was when he spoke about the recruitment process at the club. 
Um, he sort of mentioned that uh, before uh, in his last spell at the club, it was a little bit confused, uh, was his exact word. Uh, and he said there was a little bit more clarity now around the recruitment. Uh, now, I took that to mean that who was responsible for recruitment and who was responsible for providing targets and who had the last word on recruitment. But what did you, what did you think about that, Mac? Yeah, no, I, I, I noticed, noticed that as well. I think that's probably true. I think the club has moved forward in is, is improving in that area. So, and, and I think hopefully that will shine through in who we recruit in the next, in the next little while that we've, we've kind of moved forward. We're looking into new, new markets, something we we may talk about in in episodes to come. Uh, But yeah, no, I, uh, I, I think that's very true. I think it's true what he, what he said there. The other thing that I noticed about his, the press conference was he talked about, uh, he was quite straight, up with the the fact that he wants to to try and move us forward in Europe and acknowledge that, which I think is quite it shows his ambition in a good way. You know the fact that because it's it's a tricky thing for for Salty to do com- with our budget compared to some of the other clubs that are out there, but I, I prefer to have a, a manager that is ambitious about Europe and wants to see if he can if see if we can do something. I I want to I. I want to see that moving forward from our, our managers. So that was a good message for me um, because he knows that if he doesn't do well, that the, the media will come at him. Um, so he's he's going to do his best. That's that that's putting that out there. Sounds like he, he's going to um, do his best moving forward in that area. Yeah, and, and it was very interesting, Willie, that he, he had a lot of good things to say about Callum McGregor. Um, and it was it was also interesting that Callum McGregor was part of the, the sort of deputation that flew out there for, with the Celtic board uh, to put a pitch to Brendan Rodgers and he had lunch with Brendan uh, for a couple of hours last week or, or the week before. Um, so, yeah, he spoke very highly of Callum McGregor. Uh, do you think that's very important for a manager coming into the club? Yeah, I definitely think that's important. I mean, he needs to have a good relationship with his captain. They can't be sorry. Any disharmony there between him and Callum McGregor, if that's the case, you know what I mean? So, and it's really good to see that Callum McGregor's putting the effort in there too to head out there and sort of see the delegate and have a wee chat with him and see how he's going to move forward. Let him sort of know what Callum thinks of the squad and give Brendan an inside knowledge of what 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 they what they're capable of from the pitch side. Yeah, and then back he was also uh, he spoke uh, really highly of John Kennedy. Uh, and the role that he's going to play moving forward. Um, spoke about how he trusts him and had a great working relationship uh, at his last spell with the club. Um, so, yeah, so it looks as if John Kennedy's going to be a guy he relies on a lot, especially in his first uh, few weeks, months at the club. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's another positive. I think that's the right message to be to be putting out there. I think John Kennedy will be quite important because he will be able to, much like Callum will, will be able to talk about how the club clubs move forward since the last time that. Uh, when I say move forward, I guess I mean what changes have happened within within the organisation and in what what areas um, does Rogers need to consider to continue to to change. So, I think his knowledge will be really helpful for um, for Brendan moving forward. Um, we know that. 
yeah, John, it's been multiple managers that have talked about John Kennedy doing a, a good job. And I think generally so far, Rogers has managed to retain um, the, the majority of his staff. I, I haven't heard about many moving away. So I, I think that's, I think that's really positive. It means there'll be some conti- continuity for the club moving forward from here. Yeah, I think um, I think he'll definitely bring some some of his own people in uh, in sort of behind the scene roles, maybe in the sort of sports science uh, data ana- analysis roles. Um, so, but it's good to see this sort of backbone of, of the backroom team is staying in place. Um, now, I noticed uh, one thing, that, another thing that jumped out at me was he, he addressed the sort of rumours that he didn't have a, a good relationship uh, with some members of the board, i.e. Peter Lowell. Uh, and he said, you know, if he didn't have a good relationship with these guys, he wouldn't be there. Um, so it was good to see him addressing that. And it was also interesting, Willie, wasn't it, to see Peter Lowell being so front and centre? Uh, I think that was probably the most public we've seen Law since he came back as chairman. Uh, do you think that was significant? No, I just think it was just showing, trying to show a bit of a united front there, have the chairman and the chief executive present for the press conference. Like, but it did sort of look a little bit like he was forced out there to, to, to try and show that there is that united front. Like, was there any need for him to be there, though? I did. I was going to, if I had a chance today, have a look back at other managers. Um, original press conferences to see if it was both chairman and chief exec were present at them, but I never had a chance to, so I don't know, is it the norm to have the two of them there? Yeah, I think it probably is. I mean, he's the chairman of the board. Um, it's it's quite a sort of ceremonial position, really, and you get wheeled yeah. out for, for events such as this, so I, I wasn't really surprised to see him there. I must say, though, it, I don't know if it was me, it looked as if he was terribly out of breath to me. I was a little bit worried for him at one point. I mean, I know he's knocking on a bit now, Peter, but is he the latter? He was really nervous. I don't know if it's all this talk about transfer budgets is making him nervous. Oh, it could be, aye. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was it was good all round. It was also good to see him uh, to see Brendan go out onto the steps, uh, Celtic Park after it, and you know addressing the crowd that were there. There certainly wasn't as many there as as were there the first time, but he certainly got a good reception, uh, and he knows all the right buttons to push. Um, the, the comment about we'll see you back here in May, um, I thought was excellent. So, were you happy with that, Mac? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I sort of agree with Willie that uh, the reason it it wouldn't surprise me if Peter Lowell was partly there too, is I guess uh, make sure the people were not too concerned about them working together in the future because in the past there have been rumours that there was some. Uh, discontent between between the two. The biggest thing for me, though, isn't isn't so much what they do publicly, but more just privately that they've had some had some discussions about how exactly they will make decisions moving forward for the club and how how they can work together as a as a whole. Because there is definite advantages. I guess the biggest thing is you don't want conflict between different people within the club, and you don't want different people's ego or, or personal views com, uh, conflicting with each other. We want people to be working together in collaboration. So if we can do really, what, what we'll do really well is if those different personalities within the club can do what they do really well and then work together so that we can get a good result. So 
hopefully they've just had those discussions so that we can be as successful as, as we can moving forward. And that, that will mean we want everyone working um, and, and all guns blazing, basically going into Europe and going into play against our competitors next year. And yeah, uh, Wally, how impressed were you with how Michael Nicholson spoke? Um, I have to be honest and say that's the first time I've heard his voice, which I'm taking as a good sign from a CEO. Mm. I think a CEO is, is a guy who should be in the background. Uh, it shouldn't be. And if you're hearing from him too much, then it means there's a problem. So how impressed were you with Michael Nicholson? Yeah, he didn't seem to flinch when the questions came his way. He, and he even threw in a bit of humour there about the trip to Spain and that um, was it the guy Mackay had his sombrero and the beach ball out and that's what gave it all away. So he, he seemed quite confident and, and quite collected when he was when he was put on the spotlight. And he gave the answers quite clearly that uh, we're going to move forward and uh, we, we, we want what's best for this football club. And it's all about, that's what it's all about, is to make sure that we are one step ahead of everyone else. And we are on the we are on the front foot at all times. Like, so, I'm quite impressed. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. All right, so I'll just bring in a, a couple of comments. One from Andrew Galea here. It's saying, apparently Rogers gives his players a copy of his manifesto, a textbook from an old to study. Translators will be busy. So, um, yeah, there'll be a lot of, be a lot of reading up for the, the players to, to catch up on over the summer months if, they, if they're not too busy. Uh, running around all over Europe, having a, having a nice holiday breaks. There's some great pictures coming in of uh, Jota on his holiday and uh, Carl Starfelt as well. So they all look as if they're having a good time. Uh, Mahesh has commented, Rogers looked mega nervous. Mind you, Ange wasn't all that impressive at his first presser. Um, yeah, I think Rogers he did, he, he did look it a little bit flustered at times. Uh, but overall, you know, he's he, he's a smooth operator. Um, and... Um, Go on your cell comments. Those who don't agree with BR being back will have to get used to it and warm to it as we support the manager and backroom staff, united, not divided. So that's an excellent message. And I think that's one everybody will get on board with now. Uh, Brendan's here uh, and it's time to start looking forward. Um, and speaking of looking forward, um, it was straight into business. It's straight into sort of recruitment business for Brendan Rogers. Um, we'd already had the signing of um, Odin Home already more or less in the bag. But the rumours are sweeping round Scotland and down here in Australia that the, the signing of uh, Melbourne City uh, winger Marco Tilio uh, is almost complete. Uh, I think there's enough journalists reporting on that just now that we can almost take that as being done. 
Um, so we thought we'd just have a being an Australian-based podcast, we'd um, have a bit of a deep dive into Marco Tilio. Um, and just for all you guys back home who are wondering what type of player he is. Uh, and for this, I'm going to give credit to my daughter's partner, Matt, who's uh, drawn up a very comprehensive scouting report, uh, which we'll just run through now. So uh, Marco Tilio was born the 23rd of August 2001, so he's 21 years old. Uh, plays on either wing, left or right. His profile is he's left-footed, he's technically a good dribbler, and he's very direct, always uh, always attacking towards goal and very energetic. So he came through the youth system at Sydney FC, uh, joined the system in 2015 and worked his way up through the age groups. Uh, won the Golden Boot uh, in the Youth League, the Y League, with 11 goals, uh, scored two in the final over Melbourne Victory. Made his professional debut in the AFC Champions League for Sydney FC against Kawasaki Frontale uh, in a 4-0 defeat. And his A-League debut came in the 2019-20 season against the Central Coast Mariners. And a minute after coming off the bench in the 87th minute, Tilio scored, extending Sydney's lead to 2-0, and then provided an assist to make it 3-0. September 2020, Tilio joined Melbourne City. In his first season at Melbourne City, he scored his first goal in the midway point of the season against Wellington Phoenix. Played a crucial role in the back end of the season due to injuries uh, and players been away on international duty. He only missed 10 minutes of the last five league games of the season. And in the semi-final, he both scored and assisted in a 2-0 win over MacArthur. In the final, he helped Melbourne City to a 3-0 win over his former club, Sydney FC, with a standout performance in the game. He continued growing in the 2021-22 season, starting 12 of 22 games in the league. He registered four goals and seven assists in the A-League that season as well as being a standout in the AFC Champions League, scoring three and assisting one in five games. Tilio scored in the A-League semi-final, second leg win against Adelaide United, but unfortunately couldn't do enough off the bench in the final, as Melbourne City lost 2-0 to Western United. 2022-23 season, he's been a standout of his career so far. In the A-League, he started 85% of the games for Melbourne City. He contributed nine goals and six assists. And overall in the league, he played part in 25% of Melbourne City's goals. In the final series, he scored a further goal against Sydney in the semi-final. And in the final, he started but couldn't do enough to stop a very bad 6-1 defeat to the Central Coast Mariners. He was named on the bench for the PFA A-League team of the season for the first time. International-wise, in July 2021, he was part of the Australian Olympic squad coming off the bench in the 80th minute and scoring with a second touch against Argentina in a 2-0 win. He was first called up to the Socceroo squad in January of 2022 and was part of the squad in the 2022 FIFA World Cup, but didn't play any minutes after getting called up to cover for Martin Boyle's injury. So, Marco Tilio, I'll go to you first, Mac. Um, do you think, um, well, first of all, thanks very much to Matt for that comprehensive profile. Um, and do you think Mac, the Marco Tilio is the type of player we should be looking at? And are you hopeful it'll be a success at Celtic? Yeah, no, I, I think so. I think uh, I think he's. Uh, I don't think he's the only kind of player that we should go for, but I think he's a good addition to the squad. I think uh, looking at him, um, I think those things are all correct. I think he has really. Uh, he's a quite a technically good player. Quite not a, not at all. Player, so he's quite um, a, sh- a shorter kind of guy, but quite quick. 
um, has a good, good use of the ball, quite good in tight spaces, which is really helpful, can find the goal, which is good. Um, so, and look, I guess from a wider perspective, I think it's a, it's a good addition. It's, it's the, the kind of players that we want to be bringing into the Celtic should really be the kind of the creme de la creme of the A-League. And I think that he, uh, I think he represents that. I think he's, he's definitely a player that's got a good chance of playing for the Socceroos in the future. And that if he hasn't, uh, played for the soccer is so far it's mostly because he hasn't played in Europe yet so I, I think this is a really good opportunity for him to to move forward I guess we're talking about when we talk about Melbourne City one thing people might not be aware of is they are definitely one of the biggest clubs in the in the A-League um, one of the most wealthy ones in the A-League so we're talking about players that uh, are really have risen to the top in that area and I'm glad that that Celtics uh, got him to come in I think it's good yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited about this one. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say I watch an awful lot of A-League, but I, I watch enough of it, and I've been catching up on uh, Tilio's YouTube highlights over the past few days. It looks really quick. It looks really uh, direct, uh, and it, it looks as if he loves a goal. It looks to me like a, an ideal Brendan Rodgers-type player. So do you think that's fair comment, Willie? Yeah, I mean, I don't really watch much A-League at all, so I don't know much about the boy. And like you, I, I've watched a couple of the YouTube reels, and he does, he looks he looks quite direct. He looks like he likes to come inside off the wing and, and take shots and take players on. And what I've seen is defenders are scared to go near him because they know he's got that little turn of pace that he'll, he'll just leave them for dead with a little bit of trickery here and there, right? So I, I'm quite excited. I don't... I can't see... Like him displacing Maeda or Jota straight away, but I definitely think he'll he'll be pushing them straight away to get into the first team. So he'll be there or thereabouts. You know what I mean? And the way we use our substitutes in the sixtieth minute or the way we have been, he'll definitely get some game time, right? So there's plenty of opportunity for him when he does come, right? Yeah. What do you think, Mac? This says about the the future for Abada. Um, there's been further stories circulating around the socials today. That, that Abada is on his way over the summer. Do you think, given the fact that Tilio plays, you know, predominantly on on the on the right wing, that sort of spells the end for Abada at Celtic? It's hard to it's hard to say until the the job gets done. But I I, I think that that was there was definitely the impression that we've had from the the end of last last season was that there did seem to be some some whispers that he he might want to want to move on. I did remember towards the back end of last season him also coming out and saying he was quite happy at, at Celtics. So I guess it's hard, it's it's honestly it's quite challenging to say. But I guess what we are seeing there is it's certainly going to be a really a quite a competitive um, a quite a competitive squad. So I think that's a that's a good thing. That's a, something we definitely want with with Celtic moving forward. We want players that to earn their position in in the starting eleven. So. I think it's a good thing, and we'll see with my Maeda moving forward. I, if I if I had a guess, I would say probably yes, he will go. Um, but if he doesn't, he's he's welcome to continue in this in the squad because we know that he can find the goal. And is if he continues, we want to see him progress as a player. That's the biggest thing with with him, especially his footwork and and use and. Uh, work with the ball. We want to see his defence improve, but he's definitely a, a good player. We'll, I guess we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, and Willie, um, do you think uh, Tilio could be replacing Abada in the squad? What's your take on it? Um, it's quite possible. I, I mean, there was the rumours that Abada wasn't happy and he wasn't going to sign a new deal and he was heading off. But there's also rumours that um, Ajax are circling around Jota as well. So he plays on the left and he plays on the right. So, it, I mean, it's... it's it, it, it is going to be handy to have this boy around and from what we've seen those highlight reels like I say he, he does look like he can play so um, is he going to replace Abada? Quite possibly mm -hmm. right? Yeah I think there's going to be uh, quite a bit of coming and going over the summer I know uh, Rogers was only talking about bringing in a couple of players but I do think we're going to come under pressure to sell um, guys like Jota, who had really good seasons last year, have been mentioned for moves. Um, Kyogo, you know, Hatate, Maeda, all, all these guys have been mentioned for possible moves. So, yeah, I think um, I think Tillio will go straight into the first team squad. I don't think there's any doubt about that, uh, and it'll be up to him from for there to how 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 he develops. Uh, what I will say is, Brendan Rogers is the best manager to work for um, if you if you're a young player looking to develop. So. I've got high hopes for, for Tilio and I hope this one comes off. Uh, a rumoured transfer fee of a, a million pounds. You, you can't really say fairer than that, Mac. I agree. I think he I think he definitely represents very good value. You might find um I mean one thing we might talk about is if Robin Sitch is part of the, the city group. Um so it's possible that they particularly got a good deal. On, on this as as Celtic has had um, some connections with the city group in the past in a number of different ways, including Ange himself had connections with the city group when he moved in to become a, a coach there. Aaron Moy, again, another Australian player, great technic technical skill, um, was had through, through the city group. So, but I, so they may, you may find that the, the price was, a, that may have been a, to our advantage when it came to the price for for Tilio, but and I think that's a, actually is it actually quite a bit of a positive for our our club that we do have those those connections. So it means that Melbourne City being one of the strongest of the A League clubs, that when a, a good player does come through the ranks and he's ready to move up, that uh, Celtic could be one of the clubs that they go to. So Tilio would, does represent that. Um, the one other thing I did want to say is, uh, I, I, I think that he's, I, I can definitely see him doing well in, in Scotland, but I think that this is a good position for him. He's only 21 at the moment. So I think it's a really good carrot for these younger players coming through that if they play well enough, you, you might be able to play in the champions league. <laughs> that's a, it's a pretty good carrot to have. For a young player of, of his skill. So I think he'll do well in, in, in Scotland, but if he plays well enough, you may see him play well and play in the Champions League as well. So I think that's a it's a, something we it's fantastic for these players coming through. Yeah, as Max says, well, it shows you that the connection to the city group uh, is alive and well and has survived uh, the, the, the departure of Ange. So um, that's that's probably a good sign for us in terms of uh, recruiting in these types of markets, do you think? Yeah, I mean, Mark is it Mark Wall? He 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 was part of that city group. So somebody might have phoned him up and says, "Look, this boy Tilio, he, he don't think he's ready for the EPL, but if you give him a shot in Scotland, he can certainly make a make an impact there, and then perhaps move on to better things." 
bigger things, not better things, but definitely bigger things in England if, if it all works out well for them. So it does seem to be that there's still life in that old city group connection yet. Like. Yeah, definitely. It seems as if uh, the links are still there. Um, and just at a more general point, Mac, um, do you think the A-League uh, as a market we should be more looking closely at? Uh, we haven't signed a player direct from the A-League since Tom Rogic. Um, and if you if you discount Daniel Azani, who, who was technically via, via Man City, uh, but do you think we should be looking more closely at the market down here? Yeah, I think it's something that the club should should continue to to constantly be be doing is look, keeping an eye on on these leagues. Um, not obviously we'll we'll refer, refer, reflect on the A League today, but uh, these a, a different kind of um, leagues within the Asian Confederation are really in, in, um, important for the club to to keep an eye on because we've seen that there are definitely good value. Uh, High quality players that you can get from these leagues if you if you uh, keep if you scout them correctly and find the right people. Um, one thing I think that the club's definitely moving forward with is uh, using data as part of their. I don't data as being part of their their recruitment process. I think that it's important that data isn't the isn't the only thing that people use, but it can be a really good way of kind of 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 getting a, a concept of, of what advantages a player has. But I also think that things like the character of the player, their aspirations of how, where they want to move forward with their career, how they interact with the other players on their team, all those different things need to come into play. But um, but there's definitely this constantly players coming through the the A League and it and it's a good thing for us to continue to to look for them. A club of the quality of Celtic we really should be looking at, at the best players coming through that league. So we really want to be seeing that those players that uh, represent the most quality. And we have an opportunity to, to get players of that, of that quality. That's a club the size of Celtic. So I think that's, that's a, uh, that's a really good thing uh, moving forward. The other thing about the A-League is you tend to find players that are very, are quite tough players, hardy, athletic, quick, fast players, um, and if you can add to that uh, players with skill and, and quality on the ball, you start finding a player that can can work uh, um, for a, a, t- a club of the size of uh, the, the size of Celtic. The advantages of those players being quite tough and, and hardy kind of players is they can stand up to, to hard tackles, which they will receive when they the, uh, to to play in Scotland. So um, yeah. I, I think we there are some good plays coming through there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the one of the problems we've got down here um, is that other bigger clubs are from bigger leagues anyway um, are starting to notice a lot of the players down here. We've seen um, Guram Kuol getting picked up by Newcastle. Um, I think Arakunda has been looked at by Bayern Munich. So we don't have it all to ourselves here. And it comes down to the, the quality of your scouting um, and perhaps leveraging uh, the sort of links we have with the City group. Um uh, but I think it's all, all round. It's a it's, it's a good market for us to look at. There's definitely some quality here, uh, and I hope we I hope we continue to look. Uh, apart from anything else, it keeps us in the news, uh, which is always good for us um, Australian-based Celtic fans. It's always good to get a mention in the sports media here, uh, and we have been mentioned to, uh, in regards to the Tillyo move quite a few times over the past few days. So that that's good to hear. So I'm just bringing a, a, a few comments. Uh, Pete McGee. Says looks like Tilio could play either wing and in the centre. Likes a goal and has two good feet, especially his left. So that's that. That is what comes through uh, in his profile. Uh, so whose news is saying as uh, in regard to the A League? Uh, it's a good league, nice stadiums, good atmospheres, and good players who aren't ahead of themselves. So good, strong, honest professionals, as you were saying, Mac. Guys who are quite physically tough as well and don't mind getting in about a tackle. Uh, RL77 says Tilio can play in a few different positions, which is always useful. And that, that, that's been shown this year with Jota, who's comfortable in either wing. So it seems as if Tilio um, is also comfortable in both wings. Um, and that's um, that's going to be very important moving forward. And Andrew Glea says buying low, developing and selling on is what Celtic does. Uh, and Tilio definitely fits that profile. So I'll just move on to the next uh, rumoured transfer, uh, and that is the 21-year-old Korean Yang Hyun Jun, uh, and I've probably butchered that name, so apology if I have. Uh, he's currently playing from Gangwong FC in the K-League in Korea, uh, a team that's currently struggling to avoid relegation. Now, the rumours are that we have submitted a bid for this player, uh, but his team have rejected it, saying they want to keep him until the end of the season as they're fighting to avoid relegation. Uh, another guy who plays in the right wing, uh, but can also play in the left and as a centre forward. I had a quick look at his stats for this season today. Now, they don't jump off the page. Um, he's played 18 games in the K-League this year with one goal and one assist to his name, assuming the, the information I was looking at uh, was correct. Um, now, I've also heard that Brighton and Brentford are both looking at him. And uh, both these teams are well known for having a very, very good recruitment scouting network uh, and very data driven. So that's a positive. So I'll go to you first, Willie. What do you think about this link? Do you think there's any mileage in it? Do you think it'd be a good acquisition? I think um, Peter Law has gone out and decided, oh, Brendan Rogers coming back. I bet we're going to get a couple of wingers in there. So I don't know. It just seems to be another winger. We have a million of them already. You know what I mean? It just seems to be. It would sort of signal that there may be sort of room for people going out in that department for more than anything else but from what I'm hearing is that they want him if if we do he's trying to force the move through and if we do get him they want him back straight away on loan until the end of the season so um, it's a bit of a tough one to call 
Brendan Rodgers obviously had a look at him. He's, he, he's, he's got an overall say on who's coming and going. So I dare say Brendan will have a look at the video and the analysis that's there available and might have given the say-so on it all. So, um, I don't know. Could you be sort of the, the making a, a good player? Possibly. But um, I really don't know because I don't know anything about the K-League and I don't know anything about this boy. So it's hard to say. So... He can go and watch the um, YouTube reels of any player. He could probably watch a YouTube reel of me playing football and think I'm a world beater, but I'm not. Like You know what I mean? So it's difficult to tell. Yeah, you can watch a, a YouTube video of me playing the football and you would know certainly I wasn't a world beater, for sure. Um, so, Mac, um, yeah, as Willie mentioned, it's another right winger. Uh, possibly this is maybe a contingency if, if maybe the Taleo deal fell through, perhaps. Um, but do you think that all these sort of wide players we're looking at, do you think it's going to stunt the development uh, of our own sort of youth wide players like uh, likes of Rocco Vata and um, Ben Summers, who both uh, got a little bit of exposure in the first team squad at the tail end of last season? Do you think we should be putting more emphasis on these guys? Look, I, I think both of those... Uh, ben Summers and Rocco, I think, yeah, both. I think both of them look like they have good quality moving forward. They are, are prospects that I would like to see um, move into the uh, our team over time. I think it's it's a challenge. It's such a challenge um, sometimes to bring players in because we're trying to do two things at once. So on on one on one side, we want to be what we're asking from Brendan Rodgers is we want to play well in Europe and and start stepping up to that stage. On the other side, we also want players to come in and, and have development as well. Advantage that we do, we will have this year is uh, as, as normal we we're playing in four different competitions. So that's, that means that there will be opportunities for players to, to get some time. Um, and particularly because we will continue to play a fast brand of football, um, that's going to that's going to mean that players are going to need to have there's going to need to be a rotation within the squad. There's going to need to be uh, there's there's a highly you know it's possible that there will be some injuries uh, during the year. Hopefully not, but th- that may well happen. Um, so that will offer some opportunities for for players to move forward. But yeah, both of those players, I would say. Uh, are, moving towards playing in the, the first team now. Um, and I, I guess that was one thing we saw with, um, and I guess, Ange's time, the last little while, there have been these players that are starting to bang on the door of moving into the first team. But I, I think what is really important is that players earn earn their spot. So we want, we want them to be bashing down that door so that, when they come in, they're really going to be hitting their straps and playing well. Um, so, and we want there to be competition for every different position on the on the park. It's as, but I agree with Willie that it's it's hard to kind of get a full grasp of the of the player. Um, looking at at what is available to to see on him, obviously he's he's start the statistically um, not so much on scoring goals. I think last this last season hasn't been as successful as the one before that, where he seemed to play bet, better. And to be fair to him, he's playing in a team which is fighting against relegation, which can make it tough um, to 
to score goals. But um, I guess two of the little things that I did see in him is he seems to be quite, for a Korean player, he seems to be quite a, a an, another one of these, um, seems to have uh, quite good motor on him. So he seems to be someone that keeps on running the whole of the game. I could see why that would be an advantage for him. And he also seems to be quite a um, hardy sort of player. He, he's constantly getting people trying to foul him because he's he's pushing past them. So I think those are two advantages to, to him that I could see why they they like him. Um, it'd be interesting to see whether he's someone that comes in in the next next uh, year or so. Uh, but I, I guess on the plus side, it's pleasing that we're continuing to look up, you know, into these different markets and finding players. So that's a good thing. And, and we want that competition. Yeah, I mean, it, limited, limited uh, information on him. It, it does look like the type of player we would be interested in. So, yeah, so we'll wait and see what develops over the coming days on that one. Uh, I'll bring in a comment from Who's News. Uh, under 20, under 23, national side, all good athletes, jinky on the ball, unreal first touch. You bring in a few from the same country to help everyone settle. Yeah, that's a good point. We've already got O there from, from South Korea. So bringing in another one uh, of his countrymen might help him settle. Uh, and so that might be, you know, that may be what they're thinking. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's probably um, that's probably going to be something to keep an eye on. What so we'll move on to our next. Quickly on Rocco Vata, do you think maybe Rocco Vata should maybe put him out on loan for the season? Maybe Dundee United, who just got relegated, might be a chance for him to go in the championship and try and get a run of games under his belt and see what he's capable of. Maybe Ben Summers too. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against that idea. I would probably prefer it to be, perhaps, uh, an English Championship team, or even a League One team, if possible. Uh, yeah. A record with loading players out to to Championship teams in Scotland has not been great. Uh, but we don't. We have had success in the past uh, with loading players down to, to League One sort of Championship teams in England. Callum McGregor being it being a very obvious example, but no, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against the idea of one or both of them going out and loan, uh, and they might have to um, if they're not going to get the game time they need at Celtic. Although Brendan Rodgers in the past has yeah. shown he's been he's been quite keen on and giving young players an opportunity. We could get uh, James Forrest to give him a lift to Fleetwood then, that. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a few going down there. I think they could probably fill a car. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I. I just on James Forrest, I really, I really love James Forrest, and he's uh, been a, a terrific servant for the club. But watching him running around at the cup final there, it, it was like watching myself trying to run around chasing the ball. Uh, I, I don't want to see James Forrest anywhere near the first team squad this year. Um, give him his testimonial, a uh, nice pat in the back, and, and we'll see you later, James. And thanks for all, thanks for all the trophies. Um, so yeah, moving on, uh, we'll have a quick chat about the guy who has been confirmed. So that's Odin Thiago Holmes, uh, signed for 2.6 million from Valerenga in Norway. Profiles as a defensive midfielder um, who generally pays as part of a, a double pivot. Um, so, Mac, how do you think he fits into our setup? Uh, he looks quite tall, looks quite strong. Um, what sort of part do you think he'll play in the first team squad? Uh, and what sort of formation do you think we'll be playing to accommodate him? Well, that's a good question of what kind of formation. I know that, well, I think what we said last week was Brendan uh, over time has tended to do, it was a um, 4-3-3 or a, uh, 
yeah, fourth uh, or uh, I think it was fourth. Uh, yeah, four. Yeah, yeah, like, trying to think of like, maybe we'll stick it that. He likes a four-three-two-one, and he generally he generally has uh, played with a double pivot in the past. So um, mm. I would just wonder what you think about whether whether he would fit into one of those double pivot, or whether maybe Iwata's got that um, position nailed down for now. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good question. I, I think traditionally they tend to say you your defensive midfielders tend to be helpful for us in in Europe. Looking at him, he does seem to have some, also have some attacking capabilities as well. Um, a bit like a bit like a wider, so he does have some. He's, he's a fairly good passer of the ball, and he can find players moving forward um, as well. So, I think he's. Uh, I think he will. Um, I think he'll definitely be a good addition to the to the squad. He's also, as as you were saying, seems to be quite a good. Uh, Quite a good defender as well. Quite tough kind of player. It's a good question about whether a wider has got it nailed down. I I think looking at a wider, he he definitely uh, was quite successful um, over last season. So um, he was he was looking pretty good. He looks like he, he's got skill on the ball and also a good defender. So I think they have have some similarities to each other. Um, but I think there'll be competition within the midfield for sure. And um, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't um, overly impressed with Iwata um, in the latter part of the season. He's certainly certainly not centre half, but you know, I, I guess we'll give him that one. But even in his performances in midfield, I think he only showed in flashes what he's capable of. So I think there is an opportunity here for for Odin to to come into the team uh, and perhaps have a, have a good go at that position. What do you reckon to that? Oh, there's definitely room room for him to get in there. Like um, I think the, the the place will be a lot us to lose, but um, with the amount of games we'll play, we'll be playing in Europe. We'll be playing Wednesday, Sunday. That that's a guarantee. So there'll be there will be definite rotation in that position, and um, there will be game time for him. So there was be there will be opportunities for him to just uh, mark his claim on that first team spot. So at the at this present moment in time, it is a lot us to lose, just through. Um, just through past through the, through the last season and what he's done, so um, yeah. But like I say, he's young. He seems pretty hungry. He's a good, he's a good all rounder in there. So there, there's no reason to say he won't stake a claim straight away. It, it all depends on how he shows in training. It shows if he wants it or not. And he's very, very, very handsome. I have to say, um, we're building a, a really, really handsome team. And I don't know whether they're going to, they're hoping that the Christmas calendars go flying off the shelves, but I, I, think, I think they certainly will. Um, so I'll just move on quickly. If the, if the wife buys one for me this year, I'll know definitely that we've got a good looking squad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Does she normally get you one, Wally? No, it's not, it's not for a few years now. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I'll just touch quickly on. Um, I think it's probably the nature of the world we live in now, but some Celtic fans have been digging into his social media uh, and I've found that he sort of liked some um, some quite questionable tweets um, which some people might find offensive. Um, I'm not going to go into the content of them or anything, but do you think, Mac, that's just a sign of the times? Um, we as a club 
we, as certainly as a support, we tend to present ourselves as sort of socially progressive. Um, so is it right for fans to be outraged if they see, you know, people getting involved in social media, things like this? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Outrage is a pretty, I guess, is a pretty um, strong word. I think I think each fans are, uh, have the, the ability to. to feel how they feel about different players and each fan has their own ability to do that and each fan also has the capability if they if they don't particularly if they don't like something about a particular player they can d- discuss it and they have the ability to speak speak out through social media if they don't particularly like so- uh, someone's views on the plus side of this for this young for this player he's still he's still a young player I think so he's only 20 years old and I will say as well um liking something on social media is a pretty passive way to express a view um you know it's a pretty it's not I'll be more concerned if I saw him going to a you know a, a far right rally or something like that and getting engaged you know being a far right far right leader maybe that's a bit of a concern for us but I don't <laughs> I don't, but but he's as I said like he's a young he's a young twenty year old bloke a young twenty year old uh, player he's uh, he, he, liking is a pretty passive way of of, exp- of expressing a view hopefully uh, our view, views within Celtic tend to be more of a and my own personal views tend to be more of a, a progressive kind of views so hopefully he'll he'll learn a bit from this experience and and um, and continue you know continue progress as a person and learn new things and. And um, maybe have different views in the future, but um, and, he, and I guess it is a bit of a timely reminder to players just to be a bit careful about what you're expressing online because as players move up the ranks, p- people tend to have take a more interest in in what they think about different different issues. So something for him to think about. Yeah, and Wally, um, how would you like to be judged on the things you like in social media? Bear in mind, I follow you on social media. <laughs> I am probably better leaving that one alone. Now. I think um, the club will quite quickly bring him in and say, "Look, um, let's have a word with you about your social media. Let's let's show you the rights and wrongs and what you can and can't do. You're now at a club that is uh, has a global sort of fan base, and you'll be under the microscope for everything you do in these sort of platforms. So there'll be a bit of in-house training going on right as we speak, right, and just saying that you can't do that. Like that's just not." not the way forward for this club. I think there was a player in the past did something on the internet and he didn't last too much longer. 
after that, mm. I think it was, I can't mind the boy's name, Oxland Chamberlain or something like that. Like, mm. I think something happened yeah. with him on one of the social media platforms and he was quite quickly shown the door after that. Mm. Like, so there'll be, like I say, there'll be a bit of in-house training going on. So. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I think it's just a sign of the times that everybody's, you know, jumping and digging through everything he's ever liked. But uh, yeah, he'll get used to operating at a big club like Celtic and underneath the spotlight that the, the, the club operates under. Um, so I'll just jump on to our next topic. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the podcast, so we'll just talk quickly about this one. Uh, I just wanted to mention, um, it's not a Celtic-related topic, but it's uh, the hypocrisy of English Premier League commentators uh, to be complaining about the Saudi League uh, paying big money to take players. Now, the background to this is four four clubs in the Saudi League have effectively been taken over by the, the Saudi public investment firm, which is essentially the government. Um, and it's the same group which owns Newcastle. Now, big money is being thrown at top-class players from all leagues around the world. I noticed even Rio Hitati was mentioned today has been possibly a, a target. But they've signed players from the EPL like Ngolo Kante, uh, Ruben Neves, uh, Kalidou Koulibaly, uh, as well as Christian Ronaldo last year. Uh, and they got guys like Karim Benzema from Real Madrid. So this has led to a bout of full concern uh, from um, EPL commentators like Jamie Carragher and Ga- uh, Gary Neville who've uh, been calling for a temporary ban on transfers to the Saudi League while the transactions uh, are being investigated. Um, Now, this is conveniently ignoring the fact that the Saudi public investment firm already owns Newcastle and the Abu Dhabi government owns Man City and the Qatari government are in the process of taking over Man United. Um, So this brought to my mind a debate earlier in the year that I saw between Jamie Carragher and Guillaume Balaguer, the Spanish journalist, uh, where Balaguer was sort of bemoaning the fact that the, the English league and the money they're spending uh, was making European football uncompetitive, with Carragher retorting at the time that it was just effectively sour grapes uh, from the big Spanish teams in particular. So I'll put it to you guys. Um, is it just sour grapes from EPL commentators, or is there a, a concern about the amount of money that, that the Saudis are throwing into the market? I'll, I'll go to you first, Mac. I think uh, there is, I can, okay, well, let's put it this way. The English Premier League has certainly taken a lot of players from a lot of different leagues over the years, <laughs> including ourselves um, and including uh, many of the different leagues in, in Europe. They tend to, 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 because of the amount of money that they're able to offer the different players, will tend to take players out of those kind of leagues uh, I know that I, I can understand on some level that the Saudi, the part of the issue is I think that in other in some of the other clubs, um, sorry, in in some of the other sports, Saudi Saudi money has has certainly changed the sport to some degree, uh, bringing in in players um, from from those leagues and kind of changing the 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 way that things work. To be honest, like in the, in the long run, I. It's a. I don't think it will be. A, uh, I don't think it will likely create have a huge effect on. On I think it will have an effect on some level within Europe, but I don't see it changing the flow of of where 
some of the most successful uh, clubs in the world and most successful players in the world work. So a lot of the players that have been taken from Europe tend to be players towards the, the back end of their career. Although I did see that uh, uh, Ruben Nieves from uh, uh, the uh, Wolves was was one of the players, and I think he was only 26 and was, you know, sort of seen as being a, a, one of the peaks of his career and and, and gone over there. Um, but I... I think the the biggest concern will be if they if the Saudi league they started developing their own their own players and started creating leagues that were comparable to the the Premier League. So that to me would be a bigger concern for uh, for Europe. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't think it's a it's a big worry. And I, do I think it's a hypocritical? Yes, it's pretty <laughs> hypocritical for sure. What do you think, Willie? I think it's a big ha ha moment, like get it up, yeah, sort of thing, isn't it? Like, you know, it's just uh, like you say, it's sour grapes. I think the only thing it might do is it, it might accelerate the, the the European Super League thing because we all know that the Spanish clubs can't compete with the English clubs money wise. And if the English clubs can't compete with the Saudis money wise, that might just sort of accelerate that process of a move to a Super mm-hmm. League where the money just sort of circulates around the big 12 clubs. So, but. Looking at it from the outside, it's just like, ah, oh, well, you reap what you sow, you know what I mean? If you want to be top dog, there's always going to be someone sitting there waiting to take your spot on that perch. Like, and at this moment in time, Saudi Arabia seems to want to challenge England for it. Like, so. Yeah, I think some of the concerns have been raised uh, with, the, with the Saudis' involvement in football is similar to the, to the Abu Dhabi government and, uh, and the Qataris uh, as the issue of sports washing. Uh, I know there was a lot of there was a lot of allegations of sports washing around the the last World Cup, uh, and I understand that and that is a concern. But uh, when you consider how heavily these countries are already bought into uh, the English Premier League, I, as well as the the Russian oligarchs before them, um, I do think it's a bit hypocritical for them to start complaining about it now, uh, only when it's working against them. And um, so yeah, I think I agree with you, Willie. I think it's a big, a big get it up moment for the EPL and maybe a bit of a reality check. Uh, there, there's always a, there's always a bigger dog in the fight somewhere. So um, I, I don't think the EPL will, will, will suffer really. Um, at the end of the day, I think that will still be the league. Um, that will still be the league everyone wants to play in. Um, so they, they'll still get the pick of the top players. But yeah, it's a, a bit of a reality check for them, and it's good to see them get a taste of their own medicine because they've been doing the same to to leagues like the Scottish League um, for, for years and years. So we'll just move on. And I just want to mention one last thing, uh, and that was um, the sad news uh, that broke yesterday that the, the former Scotland boss, Craig Brown, uh, had passed away at the age of 82. Uh, Craig was a, a massive figure in the Scottish game, best known for being manager of the Scottish national team from 1983 to 2001, taking Scotland to the Euro 96 tournament and to the World Cup in France in 1988, which was the last time Scotland reached uh, the World Cup. He was Scotland's longest serving manager, taking charge of, of 70 games. He was the brother of the former Celtic general manager, Jock Brown, uh, and he was known as a warm, friendly and approachable guy, uh, well regarded right across the spectrum of the Scottish game. And without a doubt, he'll go down in Scottish football history as a legend of the game here. Um, Willie, memories of Craig Bowne? 
just the success he had with the Scotland team, the Euros, the World Cups. I mean, there was qualifications there, and it wasn't like we were scraping through the qualification groups. We were qualifying automatically and things like that for these tournaments. So it was it was um, a really successful time, and it wasn't like we were blessed with an abundance of great great players. It was just a really hard working team that went out there and got the job done. Like you know, um, Colin Henry. He made Colin Henry just captain fantastic, wasn't he? Like you know, what I mean, just big brave heart at the back. Jim Leighton with his no teeth cheering every goal they scored and that I just memories of like happy times of just when Scotland were actually going to tournaments all the time. And he was the, the brains behind it all. Like, so. I mean I think he was involved in nineteen ninety and I think he was involved in Mexico as well, was he with Fergie and yeah. that like so yeah. And I, my first game at Celtic Park was when we qualified for the World Cup in ninety eight, so he was obviously the manager that day. We beat Latvia two 0 like in a two thirds finished stadium, like so. Very sad news to hear. Sad indeed. Yeah, I'm my abiding memory of Craig Brown uh, was when um, when McCoy scored in Euro '96 against Switzerland, and he ran out the sidelines. And Craig Brown was there with with a big smile on his face. So uh, that that's the sort of picture I see when when I think about Craig Brown. Uh-huh. So Mike, uh, you might you might not have as, as much knowledge as the rest of us of Craig Brown, but but a sad day for the Scottish game. Yes, certainly. Um... Yeah, I don't, I don't have much knowledge about it, but one thing I will say is a lot of the responses that people have given to him, um, him passing away have been that he was a, a kind of a modest, a modest man, but also very successful at, at what he did, which I think are, are really fa- good qualities for a, a person to have and something that Scots are known for being quite quite modest, but also succeeding. So, um, yeah, definitely, you know, uh, definitely sad news, and and all the best for him and his and his family. Yeah, so uh, just take over there, Mark. So we said the end of the podcast. So I, I'll just grab a couple of final thoughts off you before we wind up. Willie, yourself first. Um, no real final thoughts this week. Um, I was hoping to discuss the home kit. I'm not overly too impressed with that. So for me, it's like um, Adidas. Come on, we need a decent one next year. Like. Hey, hey, yourself, Mark. Any any last thoughts for us? Uh, I think, I think the club seems to be moving in the right direction, and I guess it's a good time now for them to start getting getting momentum. The players will come back in fairly fairly soon. We'll be looking at what new recruits we can bring into the club. I think let's keep on going with what we did, what we've been doing the last couple of years. Um, so. Interested to see who the next people through the door will be. Um, let's let's see if we've got some some new uh, successful players coming in. Yeah. So my final thought is uh, tomorrow morning I'll be going into battle for uh, Taylor Swift tickets, uh, and there's a dad fail on the line if I don't get them. So please wish me luck. <laughs> I'm certainly going to need you, it. You're gonna need. Yeah. You're gonna need. You're gonna need it. <laughs> Yeah, they're hot, yeah, I've got, yeah, that's going to be a tough one, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully, I get the get the W, as they say down here. Um, so thanks, thanks, guys, that was good fun. Uh, thanks everybody who joined us in the comments. Um, don't forget to tune into the Wednesday Pot Noodle Show tomorrow, uh, and if you haven't heard it already, go and catch up with the Monday Weekend Review Show uh, on the the podcast apps. Uh, so with that, I'll just say have a great week, guys, and hail, hail. 
Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.